0: You are listening to the Twibley Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year, a comedy podcast looking back at this week in history. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Podbean, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. If you want to follow us on social medias or message us with some suggestions for Worst Ever segments, you can do that over on Facebook or Instagram using T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. back to Twibley, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he's walking back from your house. He's walking on the moon. <laughs> it's Mr. Jeff McLarge-Huge.
1: I feel like one-sixth of myself as I'm doing that. Yeah. Some may say
0: you're wishing your life away, Jeff. Maybe. That's what I did this week, basically. I almost wished my life away, so to speak. I guess you could say, however you want to word it. But I, much like you... Join the holy sh**, I almost died club this weekend. <laughs> well, welcome. You get your welcome packet in the mail in about two weeks. I can't wait to put the patch on the back of my jean jacket.
1: It comes with a fridge magnet now. We, we abandoned the patch thing because no one knew how to oh. stick them on coats.
0: It's coming back though, so maybe so we can heard. put a letter in. Anyway, I bet you're pretty curious on to my near-death experience. Yeah,
1: exactly. How did you find yourself uh, almost
0: shuffling off the mortal coil? Well... It wasn't as prolonged as yours, so to speak. I didn't okay. spend a week or two in the hospital. Ah. I wasn't told you know, anything by doctors. True. I was driving home from work, uh, my secondary job. It was during September. Big secret you know, that we don't hide is that we record these weeks in advance. Yes. So I was driving home late at night, about 1.30 in the morning. I noticed a bunch of cars that kind of like pulled over on one side of the road. And I know, because I almost got a ticket one time, that whenever there's cars in the breakdown lane, that you're supposed to go into the passing lane. So that's what I did. And I'm thinking to myself, why are all these cars in the breakdown lane? And before my thought could even get to in breakdown lane, my thoughts were automatically overcome with, oh, shit, there was a dead deer or... Maybe the deer wasn't dead. It was just taking a nap. (laughs) Whatever it was, there was a deer that was sprawled out as long as you could possibly make it in the highway in my lane. Yep. Like, not even a little hanging over the line. Like, you couldn't center that thing anymore in the lane without doing math. Right. That thing was just there. Right, right, right. And I had zilch, zero, bupkis, reaction time. I didn't even take my foot off the accelerator, Jeff. I just... Smashed right over it, just kabang. One of my tires hit its head, the other tire hit its asshole. I mean, yeah. just plowed right over it. Now, if that deer, and that was a pretty good-sized deer, if that deer was a little bit bigger and would have hit my front bumper, we would be having a much different conversation right now. It's true. that would have set off the airbags and who knows what would happened after that. Right. So, yeah, I just plowed right through it and then as i get further down the road i see more people like pulled over and they're like looking underneath their car um so apparently i wasn't the first person to hit it oh but no according to my mechanic i might have been one of the last to hit the complete deer
1: oh geez
0: because yeah because all right, well right we'll get there though okay um so i had another like 25 miles to drive home yep. and I never once get out of the car. I never pulled over to check. I never right. I was like, I'm just going to drive home. I could hear like a bit of a, every once in a while, especially right. if I hit the accelerator, you know? yeah. I was like, well, something's dragging, something's rubbing, this, that, and the other, whatever it is. I get home and I can see the plastic that's like underneath your car. Yeah. They call it like an air plate. Yep. It's for aerodynamics or whatever. That yes. thing is just hanging. That thing is hanging. Right. So I figured that's the noise that I'm hearing. That thing's rubbing, right? The next day, I bring my car to my mechanic. First thing in the morning, 8 o'clock. I was supposed to work that morning at my other job, but I'm glad I didn't because it was raining like hell. I would have been, you know, standing out in the middle of the rain with no customers at the Renaissance Fair. Right. So that worked out to my advantage. So I bring the car to my mechanic. He takes a look at it. I get the car back about noon. He calls me up. He's like, yep, you're all set. And my mechanic is awesome. He's a magician, but he's also really crazy Mm -hmm. and, like, a hard, hard, hard conservative. Right. Like, he's going to roll the toilet paper with Joe Biden's picture on it. My, you know what? My mechanic
1: is like that too. T- dudes, uh, yeah. The dude's a-, a wizard with cars,
0: but. Yeah, this guy's got like a framed picture of the Trump's mugshot. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. awesome. Yep, same as thing. long as you don't get him talking, he's a magician, you right, know? Exactly. So, cool guy, just don't get him going. Right. He was saying things like, whoever was behind you got a horror show.
1: Like, <laughs> he goes, there was
0: so much of that deer stuck underneath your car fur, guts. A lot of blood. (laughs) Yeah. So then I was like, well, how much is it going to cost to replace that plate? And he's like, ah, you don't need to replace it. The government wants you to have that. You don't need it. He's an (laughs) anarchist, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, I want to replace it. Ah, you don't need it. Like, he doesn't want to do it, you know? Right, right. Because that way they win, Jeff.
1: Right. Um, That's how they get you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The noise that I was hearing is there is a clamp that doesn't do anything. It's not supposed to do anything. Okay. What the clamp does is, if your muffler breaks, it keeps it from falling into the street. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's
1: like a, a secondary clamp. Yeah, secondary muffler holder. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that thing went flying upwards and was sitting against the muffler, which is why when I started up my car and every time I hit the accelerator, it you rattled. would hear, yeah, yeah because yep. it was vibrating. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my uh, kind of like near-death experience. Like... I didn't even get to enjoy it. It just kind of like happened, <laughs> and then like I couldn't sleep. I was like pumped, full of adrenaline. Oh, like, I'm sure, like uh, Bugs Bunny, like <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so I got like three non consecutive hours of sleep in like the next two nights. Yes, but whenever I went back to work at the King Richard's Fair, it was like the first good day I had all year. I was bouncing off the walls. I was actually sad that that was the only day I really got to enjoy.
1: Oh. I guess the year had to be sacrificed to give you a good day. I don't know. I guess that's you know that's how I would look at it. Yeah,
0: yeah. We should join a blood cult that sacrifices <laughs> deers. Or maybe we should never do that ever, and we'll talk about that later. This works for me. But yeah, but yeah. Hey, good mood, and all it took was one deer. Imagine that. Well, look at that.
1: Just one Bambi slam. It yep. fixed a bunch of things for you.
0: All I need to do is just get myself a, a scraper of some sort, and I got some venison jerky happening underneath my car. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> All right. Yeah, before we get to any more disgusting, gross talk, that's coming up as well. <laughs> this will be, uh, we should get the show going, but before we get the show, as always, I have my very popular and always well-received trivia question. Hey, Jeff. Uh, okay, I'm ready. So, yep. So, Niagara Falls. In, uh, Slowly uh, in I in turn. A, inch yeah, by in inch. Step by step. In America and in Canada. I'm talking about the big one, the Horseshoe Falls. Yes. What is the current state of erosion, like a amount? How much does that thing wear out from
1: year to year? Uh, uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll learn that at the end of the show, or maybe we we won't.
0: All right, but this is going to be the week beginning, December the 4th, and it is your turn to start. This week, we're going to
1: start with a celebrity birthday. December 4th, 1964,
0: American actress Marissa
1: Tomei is born in Brooklyn, New York.
0: She's ugly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she would sort of crash onto the scene at a bazillion miles an hour as Mona Lisa Vito in the film My Cousin Vinny. Do you remember that movie?
0: That wasn't her first role. Nope. I think her first role was on a TV series, like Different World, wasn't she? She was in that Lisa Bonet vehicle wasn't yeah, I she? believe
1: she was but like this is where she went to people who never watched that show much like me and became yep. a film star a super famous right.
0: film star and got tons of work she went from the girl in that TV series that I never watched to Marissa Tommy <laughs> I think
1: she won an Academy Award for my cousin Vinny as well best supporting actor um, I believe she did yeah and she's gone on to have a really long career doing film in various genre and style we were talking... Yeah, very
0: varied. We were talking Very earlier, varied
1: parts, yeah. Right, we were talking earlier about films that we've seen her in and enjoyed. You enjoyed very much The Wrestler. Yes. I enjoyed a film called In the Bedroom. And we both enjoyed her as Aunt May in the most recent incarnation of the Spider-Man franchise.
0: Yeah. As a matter of fact, whenever I heard that she was cast as the new Aunt May, I was like, Marissa Tomei? Because... Like, in the comic books, Aunt May always looks like a great-grandmother. She looks like the Crypt Keeper in the comic book. Like, she's going (laughs) to die any second. That first woman that they got to play Aunt May and like, in the... Oh, yeah. The the first, the one, you're not Superman, you know? (laughs) She She was was perfect. perfect. She looked just like her.
1: Yeah, she was. She was definitely perfect.
0: Yep. And then Sally Field had, like, the great, like, Aunt May kind of personality. Right. You know, you kind of loved her. Marissa Tomei took it in a completely different direction where she's like still very beautiful and very young looking for her age. Right. You know, she's barreling head for first to at 60 at this point. Right. And even Robert Downey Jr. makes a lot of references to that in the movie about the fact that she's hot. Right. Yeah.
1: Yes. I liked so, her very much uh, in that role. Like, not going to lie. I liked her more. Yeah, yeah. She's more memorable, I think, than the other Aunt Mays. I mean, if you're going to redesign a character to be more contemporary, that's the way that you want to do it. So that's a really well-done casting.
0: You're not Superman, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on to December the 5th of 1872, the ship known as the Mary Celeste... Is discovered mysteriously abandoned and like there was nobody on the ship and like only one of the lifeboats was gone yeah like the entire crew was gone and there was no like, sign of struggle it's right. just like they they got abducted by aliens or something i don't know at
1: the time the ship was found too the log was still there the first mate's log and it had entries yep. up until nine days before the ship was found and all it had for a list a, a, a log entry for that day was their coordinates but there was yep. there was nothing that suggested there was anything wrong that they that they were victims of piracy they found things that were disheveled inside the ship but not destroyed as if it had been raided it's uh-huh. really strange and like there's a long history of of as they call them I'm making air quotes not that you can see me but ghost ships that yeah. are found derelict and and sort of floating around and the mary celeste ended up being towed into gibraltar by the person who found it the ship that found it and ultimately, they yep. ended up going on trial because the government, uh, I think it was the government of Spain, was like, yeah, obviously you killed everybody on this boat. <laughs> but um, no, that, then they got off because of the state of the ship. There was no no signs of any struggle. It was really strange.
0: I just played a video game, and it's like the one of a trilogy, yep. and put a damn gun to my head. I don't remember the name of it, but it was kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure game. Yep, And part of the storyline was kind of based on this Mary Celeste, where they find a ghost ship that has like no sign of struggle of the crew or anything like that. And, of course, lest we forget if we're going to be talking about ghost ships, let's talk about the best first seven minutes of a horror movie and the disappointing other 128 minutes of a horror movie, uh, Ghost Ship. (laughs) No, that movie starts out real strong and then um, a bit too strong. I guess the rest of the movie was okay, but because that opening sequence there with the, the cable ripping everybody on the dance floor just to pieces, mm-hmm. yeah, it was kind of a step down, unfortunately.
1: The, the, the one like boat-themed horror movie that I like is called Lost Continent, and it's, it's a, like a tramp steamer full of very stock characters who all have problems,
2: mm-hmm. and their
1: ship gets stuck in a big sargasso thing. Sargasso is yeah. like seaweed, and there's all these other boats from throughout history that are in there that have been trapped. And a society, oh, wow. a society that lives amongst the Sargasso, it is not a good movie, but it is really <laughs> fun to watch. All right, moving on to December the 6th. Hey, December the 6th, 2002. Bill, do you commit lots of crimes?
0: Uh, Fifth Amendment, please.
1: <laughs> well, in 2002, when Ona Ryder was sentenced to 36 months of probation, 480 hours of community service because she got busted shoplifting things from Saks Fifth Avenue. She had to pay 10 grand in fines and restitution as well, and it definitely damaged her brand. At the time, she was sort of rebuilding her career. She had just done Reality Bites a little bit before then and was moving into much more mature sort of drama and dramedy films, and then she was all over the news for stealing stuff.
0: I know she did Little Women, which was like a prestige picture. Yep. Yeah, Alien Resurrection, Girl Interrupted. Right. All of those movies were right before, and then she gets caught shoplifting, and everybody kind of had, like, the same eyebrow. Huh? What are you doing shoplifting, honey? It's not like you're broke.
1: By her own description, she was, like, a kleptomaniac. It was a compulsion that she she had a really difficult time controlling. And like anyone else with a mental illness, she sort of seems to have, have dealt with it with some treatment, as well as, apparently, some fines and community service but disappeared for a while and then kind of came back really strong in stranger things
0: to the point yeah. where
1: i didn't realize she was in stranger things until like the fourth episode
0: yeah when- i remember watching you know the first you know as uh, the first season like i hear her talking you know and she kind of has a distinct pa- uh pattern to her voice yes and i was like is that owner Ryder? And, you know, we hadn't really seen her in pretty close to 20 years at that point. So, you know, she had kind of been out of the public eye for a long time. Because, like you said, you know, getting caught shoplifting and getting, you know, found guilty of shoplifting. Like, dead to rights, too. They had yeah. a security cameras. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like you said, that damaged her brand. But, yeah, comeback kid with Stranger Things. She's kind of like... She played a great mom. The way she was like panicking whenever yep. her a kid—you felt it, you know. She yeah. did a great job playing a panicky mom.
1: Yep, uh, was that was one of the high points of that series for me. Was her performance in there?
0: She's got a a, a new movie like in in the works. She's got stuff uh, coming out eventually called Gone in the Night, and that movie is actually with uh, Dermot Mulroney, who she did another movie with, uh, How to Make an American Quilt. I remember that film. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually, a couple of years ago, there was some commercials during the Super Bowl for Cadillac where they kind of like uh, redid Edward Scissorhands, and she reprised her role as uh, Kim Boggs. Oh, wow. That was
1: pretty cool. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I forgot. She
1: was really one of like the Tim Burton regulars for a little while, wasn't she?
0: Yeah, she did Frank and Wee, Edward Scissorhands, and then she got thrown to <laughs> cast aside for Helena bottom Carter. Well, she also did Beetlejuice. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, I'll forget that. She was Dietz. So, moving on to December the 7th, 2003, a 12-inch by 26-inch painting, which is, you know, reasonably sized. Mm-hmm. That's about the size that I work at. Right. Uh, a 12-inch by 26-inch painting of a river landscape and a sailing vessel by Martin Johnson Heed, was sold at an auction for $1 million. Oh. Now, I'm not really familiar with Martin Johnson Heed, not until we looked up some pictures of his stuff during the show. It's cool. Lots of landscapy stuff, lots of, like, kind of Americani kind of stuff for that era. I yes. I mean, he, he was around during the 1800s. Like, yes. he died in the very, very early goings of the 1900s. So the painting was actually found in an attic in a suburban Boston home where it had been in storage for like 60 years or more. Huh? <laughs> That's interesting. So like, hey, what's, what's this? And like, ka-ching, now you get a million dollars. What do you want to do with this
1: painting of the, the scrub brush or the salt marsh? Like, what do you want to do with this thing? It's, it's in been grandma's attic for the last, like, I don't even know how long. I don't know. It's ugly. Yeah. Right, donate it or something. <laughs> it's funny because there, right. there was a story not too long ago up here in Manchester where a, a woman had picked up a painting for, I think it was $40 at a thrift store and it turned out to be worth like two hundred and fifty to $350,000. It was a, like a lost painting by a really famous painter whose name oh. escaped me then because I don't know all the painters. Right. But this one ended up being appraised, and they're like, oh, uh, we've been looking for this painting since like 1960.
0: Yeah. And, and it was. Where did you find it? They, right, I exactly. Don't know. It just looks like a bunch of melting clocks. I don't get
1: it. <laughs> it's, weird. it's the weirdest thing. It's yeah. a lady with a weird uh, smile.
0: I've never seen it before. Is she smiling? Is she not smiling? Right. I don't know. I can't tell. Oh. It's boring. All right. Moving on. December the 8th. What do you got? December the 8th. We are doing another
1: celebrity birthday. December 8th, 1953. American actress Kim Basinger is born. I remember her best from her role as Kim Basinger in an episode of The Simpsons, <laughs> where, she, <laughs> where she played herself. The part she was born to play. Not really. Uh, I remember seeing her, I think, for the for the first time when I saw Never Say Never Again, the one weird Bond movie with Sean Connery that came out at the same time that A View to a Kill came out with Roger Moore. Oh, wow. Two different studios own the uh, intellectual property. And she was in that okay. one with Klaus Maria Brandauer as the villain,
0: uh, and was uh, really good. My experience with her is kind of, it kind of starts and ends with Batman in the first uh, Batman movie with Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. where she played his love interest, Vicki Vale, right? Which is an obs- you know kind of an obscure character from the comic book to be bringing out into the movie, but yeah, she I, was.
1: I don't know how much Vicki Vale is in the Batman comics anymore. I'm sure she's her sort of thought would be like, this guy is obviously nuts. So I'm not going <laughs> to hang around with him at all. This guy's so, got more red
0: flags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: he keeps leaving dinner to go. And he comes back, he's all beaten up. <laughs> so I don't know what he's doing in the bathroom, but whatever it is, I don't want any part of it.
0: And he keeps talking like
1: this. Yeah, She was also the inspiration for and a sort of main character in Ralph Bakshi's last commercial film, Cool World. If you oh.
0: are like me and remember seeing that. I remember that coming out because, like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was such a hot property. Yes, People like, you know, the studios, I should say, were like, oh, you like that combination, real life and cartoon? Well, we ju- we got just a guy for you, and we got just a girl for you, basically. <laughs> and uh, yes. it didn't do that well, though. No,
1: no, it didn't, because it was an incoherent cocaine-fueled nightmare mess that Ralph <laughs> Bashley's team put together. I remember sitting in the cinema watching that film, enjoying the way that it was rotoscoped and, and all of that, and about halfway through... I remember looking over at my brother, Aaron, uh, and I said, what the hell is this movie even even about? I don't understand (laughs) what the hell is going on in this thing. And I've watched it one or two times since then, and I haven't changed my thought that it was like a shuffle of script pages from different movies just jammed together and made into (laughs) a cartoon into a dollar store on
0: the floor yeah yeah
1: the dollar tree version of who framed roger rabbit
0: two other kind of like oddball movies that she did one i definitely recommend the other i don't take my word for it you know watch it at your own peril not mine my stepmother is an alien with uh dan Aykroyd. that mm-hmm. one's a little odd but there's a movie that she was in with bruce willis called blind date yeah. which is f word hilarious yeah that was a funny movie don't oh, let yeah, her drink. What's his name's in that, yeah, what's his name in that movie too? Uh, John Cat. Yes. Yeah. IMDb only has it down as like less than 6 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes has it at 24%, but you guys can shove all that up your ass because that movie's freaking hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was I want to watch it funny again. All right, moving on to December the 9th, 1984. For some reason, this seems way too far back. I, I would think it would be a little bit more recent, obviously not too recent because people are dead now, but mm-hmm. December the 9th, 1984 was the last performance of the Jacksons or the Jackson 5. So the Jackson 5, obviously, were big Motown like, superstars yeah. in the late 60s and early 70s. And then Michael Jackson was like, you know, Tito and Jermaine and well, everybody else who ate, I, I, I even I forgot your name. I don't need you. So he broke out on his own, and he put out like a Michael Jackson put out a bunch of solo albums mm-hmm. before before Thriller, uh, before Thriller. I mean, Thriller was his like his breakout one, but he had a lot of hits off of like Off the Wall, yeah. even before that. But even before Off the Wall, he had like three or four, at least three or four different solo albums. He got an Academy Award for the
1: theme song to Ben Willard, the, right? Yeah, the sequel to Willard. That's right. That's right. And
0: that's a good song too.
1: <laughs> I- agreed.
0: So. So around 1983, 1984, Tito, Jermaine, and whatever the rest of the brothers. I don't remember. Yeah, (laughs) I don't remember their names. They called up Michael, and they're like, Hey, uh, you got like five, six bucks we could borrow? And he was like, I got a better idea. And they put together a comeback tour, like a a reunion tour for the Jacksons that literally nobody wanted. People didn't want the Jackson 5. Michael Jackson was the hottest property In the world, when people were going to see the Jackson concerts, they weren't going to see Tito, they were going to see Michael, you know? Yes.
1: I'm going to go out, I'm I'm the person that was like, the Jackson 5 are back together, how can I get tickets? And I was too young to get tickets, or I would have definitely gone to see them. Hilariously, when that tour ended, Tito (laughs) played the last year that Lincoln Park's ballroom was open, at the Lincoln Park ballroom.
0: Really? Yeah. So 19, that would be 1986.
1: 1986. Oh, no, that's...
0: Tito Jackson played the... Really? Yeah. That's wicked funny. Yep. They put out an album. It was called, like... Was it Victory, Victory. I think it was yeah, called? Yeah, Victory was Victory. Was yeah. Great record. Yeah, I'm sure it's awesome. But the whole thing is, like, bad timing. Michael Jackson's Thriller was, like, the absolute biggest thing. And he was... He could have milked that fame for a lot longer and then unfortunately, what had happened during this whole Jackson's reunion business is you know the tour was sponsored by Pepsi and that's when the when they were filming the commercial and the incident where Michael Jackson went up in flames, right you know his hair caught fire and all that. they never really talked about it too much until after his death, but that burnt him up really bad. Yeah, there was sections of his head that never grew hair again, right. You know, he had a lot of a lot of reconstructive surgery. You know, all those awesome hairstyles he all had; those were wigs. Right. I didn't know. I didn't think about it, but I didn't know those were wigs. Yeah.
1: Right. It's a shame that that happened, and it ultimately impacted the victory tour as well, as changed the trajectory that he had, mm-hmm. kind of going forward. I would argue that he could have done a tour with the Osmonds at that point, and it would not have impacted <laughs> his fame at all. Following thriller because he could still go oh i mean my. he could still go to like <laughs> india thailand everywhere in europe the entire soviet union china uh all of the rest of asia east and west and still sell out stadiums
0: oh my god imagine that tour though jeff you get a bunch of jehovah's witnesses and a bunch of mormons <laughs> in the mashup you never wanted imagine yeah. You never, yeah exactly what can we supposed to be in? just shut up and sing the song right at least nobody's drinking alcohol, I guess. And that also, with all the uh, the injuries that he sustained, you know, that led to some substance abuse problems on his part and ultimately very, you know, very much shortened his life. He mm. died. He was only 50 years old.
1: Yeah, it's a shame.
0: Definitely a shame. And I don't know,
1: as someone who, who understands like how medication tends to work and what chronic pain can be like, I don't know mm-hmm. that it was substance abuse as much as just pain management for all of that stuff because that. Right. Ultimately, it heals, but it never stops hurting. You know? But that's a conversation for a less happy show than this one.
0: Yeah, maybe substance abuse is a wrong turn of phrase, but substance consumption. Substance consumption.
1: All right, let's wrap up the week. December 10th, 1884. American classic The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain is first published in the UK and in Canada instead of the United States, which would would get its own run of the book a few months later in February of 1885.
0: Okay, I have questions. I'm sure you do. How is a book that is, like, synonymous with American literature for all its literary problems, but synonymous with American literature like Huckleberry Finn? I mean, you'd have to put his face up on Mount Rushmore to make him any more American. (laughs) Why was that published in Canada and the UK first? I'm going to tell
1: you the reason why, but I'm going to do it first with an analogy. Do you remember... Okay. The science, the the physics book that we had when we were in high school together, Bill. It was little, yeah. it was like a pocketbook sized little book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in, five by seven, right? Five by seven. And inside that book it had newsprint pages. It was a very inexpensive book. I think they cost about eight dollars. Yep. In fact, I know exactly how much they cost. Because I had to <laughs> buy because I had to buy mine. Because as we were turning the books in at the end of the year, yep. as our science teacher was flipping through he found an illustration that one of my classmates had filled into the book with pen of the private parts of a cartoon lady. <laughs> and I was forced to pay for the book. In the, okay. <laughs> the, the the American printing of this particular edition of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, someone who's unknown, uh, one of the engravers who did the engraving for the illustrations of the book, yep. entered a picture that was not approved. And it was a picture of Silas Phelps that emphasized how Big as crotch was, oh! And somebody again, much like my science teacher, like, okay, uh, that's the speed of sound, right? Now we're talking about valence numbers. Oh, there's a cartoon lady's private parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you have to pay me for this book. So the book, there was a thousand copies of the book that were already printed. They were recalled before they were shipped and destroyed, and then another print run had to be done with that image removed, which required repaginating the whole book. Paginating means okay. figuring out the pages.
0: So did the Canadian version have the big schwantz in it? I don't know. No, because they're on the metric system.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Actually, in Canada, it's called the Canadian bacon.
0: Oddly enough, my father, and now my brother has it, had the entire works of Mark Twain in hardcover. Mm -hmm. And it was like on our shelf. That was like one of my father's, you know, possessions and i don't know where he bought it but he got it right and then it stayed here at this house until both of my parents died and i told my i looked at my brother I was like you want it because i'm not gonna read it you know so my brother has it now right honestly i've never read any of the mark twain books to completion don't think i haven't tried uh i just haven't well Okay,
1: I, I would recommend them. They're they are an interesting read. They're definitely a, a look back in time to a, a, a mm-hmm. completely different era, but in that yeah. Huckleberry Finn, way more so than Tom Sawyer, is critical of the time in which it is written. Oh, I see. Language issues notwithstanding, it's an interesting story and one that's a a lot of a lot of fun still. Yeah. And it was written because Huckleberry Finn, who appeared in Tom Sawyer, was such a popular character, right? That twain was like
0: well okay you guys really like this dude huh all right yeah. um which is funny because tom sawyer was a bit of a punk but he was nothing compared to hook finn hook right. finn was the troublemaker right huh Eh. maybe i'll get around to it i'm if i can find an audio book version of it i'll do that at work oh i'm sure you i'll can. try i'll try yeah i'm sure it's public domain or close enough to it All right, before we get on to our worst movie ever, Jeff, um, I do have our weird holiday for this week. It is December the 9th. It is Christmas card day. Are you a Christmas card guy?
1: (laughs) I receive some Christmas cards, but I do not send out the Christmas cards. I'm where Christmas cards go to die from those of you (laughs) in my family who are listening to this show. You can send them to me. I I read them and I go, oh, it's great. I should send a Christmas card back to this person. And then I put the Christmas card on the counter until after a while I'm like, I'm sick of moving this stupid Christmas card. And
0: it goes in the recycle bin. Merry Christmas. I did a play in 2007. Okay? That's a long time ago. That's 15, 16 years ago, right? I did a play in 2007. One of the girls from the cast of that play Still sends me a Christmas card every year. <laughs> that's nice that she still thinks of you once a year. Ah, I love it. I I think that's fantastic. Have you sent um, a card I mean, back to her? Still... No, no, never. <laughs> I've never sent a Christmas card in my life. No, I, I I don't even I don't even think I've bought one outside of, like, I think I used to buy them for my mom, like a, like you know, during gift exchange at Christmas. I think yeah. like, I used to buy one, you know. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. Right. No, I if it was if Christmas cards were a chain letter, I would be cursed to run over deers every weekend for the rest of my life. I, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, I uh, like getting them, though. I like getting Christmas cards. Even though I'm not really a, a religious holiday person, I like getting them. Like, you know whenever people post on Facebook, they're like, hey, if anybody wants a Christmas card, give me your address. I am first in line. People I haven't actually physically met in person that i'm friends with on facebook send me christmas cards and i love it
1: nice yep i have started sending them to the people that report to me at the job that i have so i have one like eight direct report employees technically Mm -hmm. that's what they're called so i send each of them a holiday card every each year but i it's do i send one to my mother no do i send one to my brothers (laughs) never have i ever sent one to my aunt no but to uh, those did, folks that I did see... Did you have an that was a nun? Uh, that she was my mom's cousin. Cousin Lee.
0: Okay. And never sent her one either. Nope. She doesn't get anything. <laughs> yeah. You know how you make sure you never receive another Christmas card so long as you live? Tell somebody they need to watch this movie.
2: <laughs> the worst movie ever.
0: Jeff... I honestly feel like I have jeopardized our friendship you may by have. bringing this movie, by bringing this movie up for review. We are talking about a 1985 straight-to-home video movie called Blood Cult.
2: One of the strangest series of crimes in recorded history took place on a small midwestern college campus. Each victim was a sorority co-ed. Debbie, was that you? Each time the killer struck, he mutilated his victim. He took one of her body parts and then left a golden amulet near the body. And the only clue, the story of an ancient witch cult of dog worshippers, though to be long dead, known only as the Blood Cult. Brothers and sisters, welcome. Oh, Could a witch cult begun in 1700 be active today? Could it be killing co And why? That is what a small town sheriff, Ron Wilboys, must find out. As he delves deeper and deeper into the mystery of the college murders, he discovers that the Blood Cult is after him. Blood Cult, the first movie made especially for the home video market, is a film you won't soon forget.
1: Not only is it direct-to-home video film, but it was shot on the same sort of equipment that they used to shoot 1980s porn. So it looks like ass.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was shot on Sony Beta. Yep. To say this movie sucks is doing the word suck a disservice. This movie's terrible. I watched this movie back when it was released there was a you know video rental store down the street for me my friend Craig and I used to go down there every week looking for the biggest splatter films that we could find and i remember renting this movie you know when you're 15 years old you don't really have a lot to base crap up against nope. but even in 1985 i knew this was garbage <laughs>
1: i don't remember ever watching this one in the 80s although i'm sure at some point i rented it because i rented nine billion movies uh, right during those years as i was trying to work my way through this film and there's an operative word there's trying this is the yeah. first time i have bailed on a garbage movie i think ever I could not get through this. I tried everything that I could to stay focused and stay into it. And I just could not do it. So at one hour, I tapped out and was like, you know what? F this movie. I'm out of here.
0: Yeah, it's tough. It took me, I think, four sessions to get through. And I was like, God, when is this movie going to end? Not a lot really happens in this movie. There is more padding in this film than, like, the bra of an 11- or 12-year-old girl. (laughs) Yeah, So, uh, the movie opens up with a shower scene because it's the 1980s, and of course it does. It's
1: a slasher movie, yes. And,
0: you know, as soon as you see the girl in the shower, you're thinking, oh, she's dead. She may as well just die now. And no matter how much you want it, no matter how much you wish, there is no nudity happening. It's just a lot of, like, psycho-esque kind of... uh, camera shots
1: even though it looks like christy canyon would be a star in this in this film no you're not gonna see her
0: this like intruder breaks into the apartment as she's getting dressed from her shower you know she closes the door she sees him and she like closes the door and he breaks through the door with a meat cleaver not completely indifferent from jack torrance in the shining but with a meat cleaver like not a big heavy one either it's kind of mid-sized mid-sized meat cleaver Good for cutting up chickens. A very long, not I don't want to say a fight scene, but like trying to prolong him killing her. Yeah. It goes on forever. She eventually loses and he hacks her to pieces. And it's like one of those things where you see the meat cleaver in frame and then it goes down and you hear like the chop noise. And then it comes back and yeah. pauses like, hey guys, this there's a meat cleaver. And then back down. It's really poorly, poorly shot.
1: <laughs> when it comes up the second time, it has uh, some very obvious caro syrup and food color
2: blood yeah, splashed on it.
0: Uh, having worked with special effects makeup for a long time, they could have added a little darker to that. It was a little too red. Yeah. <laughs> a little too red. Just one drop yes. of blue in that bucket and it would have been much better. But at any rate, and then he chops off her arm, and then takes the arm, leaves her, and leaves a coin, like kind of pressed up against her like neck and upper chest. And then it says yes. "blood Colt, across the screen.
1: What's hilarious is it, it from, from like just that opening sequence is the yep. coin itself, because you don't get a close up view of it until I don't know a hundred <laughs> months later in the movie. I can't remember how many eons passed while I was waiting for something good to happen. But you finally get a close up of the coin, and I swear to God, it looks like something my kids would have made when they were like, yeah, it it
0: definitely looks like it's it definitely looks like a refrigerator drawing, yeah, for sure. It definitely is terrible. Yeah. After the credits is a little bit of
1: exposition. A little bit of exposition. There are characters who are having dialogue, and there's a narrator telling you the story of what they're talking about and the history. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, there was a Star Wars crawl too. Yeah oh my god, It's yes, there's a Star Wars crawl. After the Star Wars crawl that establishes what's going on, because, like, of course you can't figure out what you just saw, when you meet the main characters and they're having a conversation about what's going on, there's a narrator telling you that they're having a conversation about what's going on and what's going on
0: as they talk with two competing vocal tracks. But somewhere in the middle of this, there was another co-ed murder, right? And she tried everything. She said, please, please don't, please don't. Try cornering him with logic. Why? Why are you doing this? And for the life of me, I think he killed her with a head. Because he wasn't carrying a meat cleaver He was carrying a, like a disembodied head. Yes. I think they shot the scene that like he just, dis- I think he cut her head off. And they put the scene of him carrying her head before, like they mixed it in. So if, if that scene looks like he kills a woman with a human head, which is odd. Well, he does. He shows it to her before he kills her. This is a head.
1: This, and I can't this remember is who what it is. This is what will come of you. Yeah.
0: The sheriff of the town is also running for state senate. He has a daughter, Tina, and her boyfriend, Joel. Uh, they both work at the college library, and they both live in the dorms, and they both look to be about 37, 38 years old. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was like hired to be the college librarian but she's apparently one of the students and the sheriff looks to be about 70.
1: so i was just thinking about like the sheriff himself bill like werbo or something is his name they give him a really difficult complicated name to try and remember yeah and say but he looks like Truman Capote. If Truman Capote had lived to be 90 years old, he's like very short, wide, stout. He has gigantic glasses that hide yep. half of his face. Almost like you would see if Jacques Cousteau was pretending to be Jacques Cousteau at a costume yeah. party instead of
0: wearing a full face mask. It Those was cartoonishly it, big sunglasses. You get, you see like people wearing at weddings and stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yes, yes. uh the sheriff's daughter Tina who works in the library miraculously finds this one book that has a picture of the coin that they found at this at these two murder scenes there was a right. witchcraft cult of course there was because it's 1985 and people thought that stuff was uh, happening and it's called Caninus you know the dog is the the dog is the symbol for this cult called Caninus so now he meets with the dean of the school in a almost Jaws-like scene where the dean wants to shut down the campus because he doesn't want anybody else killed. And the sheriff is like, no, right. keep it open. We got to use these students as bait so we can catch the guy.
1: <laughs> they even let the girls go like, they don't even make the girls leave the sorority house where no. the murders took place.
0: No. There's this is another girl. And this she is. She's taking out the garbage. And you're like, well, she's dead. And sure enough, right. This one they they take off her leg. So you got an arm, two heads, and a leg missing now, right? Yes. What they said in one of the expositions is that this cult was Like, kind of putting together almost like a Frankenstein monster. So, like, the different body parts from, like, all these different people to, like, sew together and then sacrifice. You know, maybe it's the Six Sigma in me, but there's much more efficient ways of going about this. Just find one person, sacrifice (laughs) them, we're done, canines. What comes up next is probably the best scene in the movie. They are in the commuter cafeteria of the college, or maybe it's a Chinese restaurant. I don't know. No, it's the, that was the, that's the cafeteria yep. of the college.
1: I actually I noted this scene, and I watched it like, again for a film that I couldn't finish. I watched this scene twice because yep. it's it's a master class in how not to shoot anything in a film. <laughs> so it's it, it starts off with this like random girl walks around the tray table, takes a tray takes a plate, walks to this big bowl of salad. Then there's a an overhead shot of the salad as she legit puts like six scoops of salad in her salad bowl. Yep. One after the other with just that. And it's not fast. It's not, Why are you showing me this? And then uh, she walks off. Not only all- that
0: though, Jeff. Not only that. she There was like three other things that she could choose from. Like I think there was the thing of cottage cheese. Yeah, And she like reached for it and then like changed her mind. <laughs> yeah. For more salad. Yeah. No, more salad. Yep. They move the camera to the
1: like the kitty corner to the woman who's who's running the cash register. Yep. She walks all the way from the other side of the frame and puts her plate down and we watch the woman ring it up. Oh, you've got the daily special. Oh, and a salad. And then after all of this, like it's like two and a half minutes of this. Yeah. She goes, Ah and she drops the salad bowl and there's two plastic fingers in it.
0: Yep. And then, like the somebody that works in the kitchen or something like that, this guy that I don't know if he was speaking English, whatever it was, <laughs> he was very excited. And he was very he excited. He comes and gets a woman that runs the register, and like comes to the back, like you got to see this, you got to see this in the dumpster, right? Like there's a dead body in the dumpster, and it's pretty obvious that that's where the two fingers had come from, right? Because the, you know she's kind of doing like the the devil horns now because the two middle fingers are gone, so. Like, I don't know, man. If I found a dead body, I wouldn't, like, call somebody over for confirmation. I'd be calling the police. But he brings her over, she looks in, and she has the best reaction shot of the movie. (laughs) She just, like, puts her hands up, like, elbows at ear's length, I mean, at ear's level, and just goes, Ah! Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely the best scene in the movie. But it was quickly outdone. By the next scene, which was a static shot that lasted, like, three minutes. Like, nothing on the screen moved. It was just a static shot of a barn with Mm -hmm. people talking. Hey, can you go check on Sparks, the dog? He was barking before, and he stopped barking. So then the guy, the old man, goes, and you see him finally walk across the screen. So you know it's not just, like, a JPEG. It's an actual film. The guy walks to the screen and he finds the dog uh without its head. The head had been removed. And he goes back, calls back to the wife, he's like, I found the dog. You wanna bring a shovel? <laughs> what? And and what I wanna know is like
1: considering they have to make they're trying to like collect the parts to make a body.
0: Yeah. The, uh, how does the dog figure into this now? Uh I I think I, I think it comes out a little later in the movie. Uh, Like, blinking, you miss it, but it comes out a little later in the movie. So, a couple of scenes later, you know, middle, 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 the dog mom is over there talking to the sheriff, and she's talking about, like, she sees all these, like, lights in the woods, and uh, I think the kids are having bonfires, and it's the darndest thing, she says. So, Tina and Joel want to help their father to check out this uh, thing in the woods, and you're like, oh, my God, they're so in it this so part of this cult. You could see this coming like a mile away. So, they find the cult in the woods and basically every person you have seen in this movie up to now is in the cult. <laughs> yeah, except the girl who found the fingers. Right. Except for her, right? So, when they find the cult, they have this like panning shot of all the different body parts that they're collecting for this thing. Right. And then Somebody like comes up from behind the sheriff. I think it was Joel, and just like knocks his ass out, you know, with a like a blow to the back of the head that puts right. him in the hospital. And then like <laughs> Tina like sits up from underneath a blanket, you know, Tina being the sheriff's daughter, and she is yes. talking like a crazy person. She's like, "I will make the final sacrifice." Oh, that was, it was
1: that was before he got hit in the head. So I jumped ahead of the timeline to try and figure out how this stupid movie ended before I okay. my brain leached out. But he yep. was—it's when he discovers the cult, and the doctor says, "The doctor who talks like Gabby Johnson, the guy who who yep. mispronounces every word." He goes, "And the most uh, strange thing is, it's your daughter, ha ha!" And then now you'll see what we have in store for you. And then it's when he reveals who she is, and she stands up and starts with, "The I will make," she uses the word "sacrifice" eight times in two sentences. Mm-hmm. I noted that down. Uh, I will deliver the sacrifice. Because to make the sacrifice is an important sacrifice to make for sacrificing. A sacrifice. I found a sack of rice. It's a sack <laughs> of ice, you know? And then that's when he gets cracked on the head and wakes up in the hospital with the same doctor who was just giving him the whole, your daughter's in the cult and so are we all. Yeah. Ha join us. He's right. there and with him. And then Joel like, starts gaslighting
0: him. Yeah. Joel starts yeah. gaslighting him. Was like, you didn't get hit in the head. There was no cult. It's like, I mean, i was- Hospital with a bandage around my head. (laughs) Yeah, I got hit in the head. I distinctly remember that part. So anyway, Dad starts, you know, stalking. He gets out of the hospital. He starts like stalking out the dorms, and he's like with a pair of binoculars. And he must say the word dorms more often than Tina says sacrifices. Like dorms, dorms, dorms. (laughs) And then, and then he sees like a hooded figure go into the dorms, and he's like, he goes in, and then. The, the, this hooded figure goes in and it's a, it's actually um, Joel. It's actually Joel's yeah. room. And they, right. they th- this person starts killing Joel. Like, f***ing him up with a cleaver. Right? You know, the sheriff's at the door. Police! Let me in! Police! Police! Did I mention the police? You know, right. th- and so it, like I said, padding, padding, padding. Goes into the room and the cult person that is just chopped Joel up into a bunch of pieces, is wearing a you know cult robe and a mask of a dog. Yeah. So oh, that's, maybe okay. maybe this sacrifice that they have to sacrifice, 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 that they have to make is gonna be almost like an Anubis looking character. Yeah, yeah. You know, body with a dog head kind of a thing. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, then and then he pulls off the mask and it's Tina. And she's right. like I will be part of the sacrifice and this, that. And then she kind of snaps out of this trance and starts, like, crying and then runs away. Now the father's, like, chasing her. He must say her name a thousand times. Tina. 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 Sacrifice. Dorms. (laughs) Tina. Chases her up this, like, fire escape. And says one of my favorite lines in the movie. You don't have to do this. What would your mother think? Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> yes, you're already guilty, but now we're going to make you feel really guilty.
0: Yep. Tina slips, falls down, go boom, falls about two, three, four stories off this fire escape, lands on a dumpster, flips off the dumpster, and then lands in the street, and then she's just lying there dead. And then yes. I can totally, you can totally see her breathing. You're like... Oh, that chick's alive, and yeah. then she actually sits up a little bit. Her head turns. She smiles, and then pff, she lays back down dead again. <laughs> and that's how I the think, movie ends.
1: I think she was smiling because like she's done with the film, and they're like, "No, no yeah, I need, like two more seconds."
0: You think you're smiling? You should feel. You should see the smile on my face as soon as I saw those credits roll. Like I had
1: said earlier, I could make it all the way through this. I got up up to right around the point where Sheriff Ron goes over to see the folks. That live near the woods where they they see lights out in the woods and the dog gets killed. Yeah. And after that, I was like, oh, this movie's terrible. I'm done with this. Yeah. Enough that, like I said to you today, this movie's 130 minutes long, Bill. And you're like, it's <laughs> not. It's an hour and 30 minutes. And I'm like, 130 minutes. Because, like, <laughs> uh, which is what I was thinking is I'm like, who would make this movie? Why isn't this thing cut? But as I was watching it, or jumping around in the timeline to try and f- make it seem like I had watched the whole thing. I realized exactly the conditions by which this movie would be enjoyed. And are you ready? I'll take you on this this visual journey back to nineteen eighty six. Yep, we're all yeah.
2: thirteen years
1: old. Yeah, yep. I know, but I, 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 like it's already in the it's already beat up from being in the yep. m- video rental store. It's yeah. been there for a while. It's right? already it's not disappointed
0: re- dozens of people,
1: yeah. it's Yeah, it's not a new release anymore. It's in the horror section because, you know, you don't go to the new release section to find movies like Blood Cult. You've got a bunch of 13-year-old friends with you, and Mom said that we can have a sleepover, and she's going to order some pizzas, and I've got some comic books. So you and your friends are, like, hanging out in your room. You've got a VCR with a 13-inch TV, yep. and there's a record player, and you're, like, playing records sometimes, and do stupid movies on and you've rented four other monster movies or slasher movies to go with it and you're eating pizza and you're reading comic books and having a great time and talking about the girls in class or baseball or whatever you used to talk about when you were 13 and then somebody goes like oh hey check it out and that's when a murder happens and then as soon as it's over the characters start to talk or be narrated again you go right back to pizza comic books and you know talking about baseball cards
0: and then oh that is almost verbatim of how I watched this movie the first time back in 1985, 1986. I, and I we wasn't even there. For, no, no, no. I watched it with my friend Craig, who is actually a Twiddly listener. Hi, Craig. And he doesn't remember this movie at all, I'm sure. But what actually did get us through the movie, it's only an hour and a half long. An hour and a half long when you're 15 is easy. An hour and a half long when you're an adult, it's like, man, I could be doing so many other things, you know? Uh, but when you're a kid, it's easy. And as you're basically, like you just said, you're waiting in between the schlock to get to the gore. And the yeah. gore, you know, color palette's notwithstanding. The gore was actually pretty decent, you know, right. for, uh, for a low-budget movie. The the gore was pretty decent. It was shot right. in Oklahoma. And here's the best part. And I'll, I'll do this on my own. I won't, have, I won't force you to do this. There is a sequel. <laughs> that never happened. Nope, there is a nope. sequel... <laughs> It's called Revenge, I believe. And one of the people in the movie, I can't remember his first name, but I know his father's name. One of the people in the movie is John Wayne's son. Oh.
1: Well, funny. uh, And looking at the little bit of information that's on IMDb about this crummy movie, it turns out that it's directed by Christopher Lewis, who went on to direct some uh, direct-to-video things that no one has ever seen. Yep. And he's, uh, yeah, he's Loretta Young's son. Loretta Young was a really famous movie and TV actress in the 1950s and 60s.
0: Huh. Well, their, uh, their legacy ends there, right? Yes. So, all right. Blood Cult, watch it at your peril. Uh, thankfully, oh, we yeah. get to watch it for free.
1: Oh, my goodness, yes. And, uh, or, or not watch it all the way through for free.
0: Yep. It eroded my mind, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it eroded right. my mind as well. Circling back around to the very popular and always well received trivia question, hey Jeff.
1: Oh uh, man, if I you went to see the question even was.
0: Yep. If you went to go see Niagara Falls last year on December the fourth, and then you went back this year on December the fourth, approximately how much further back would the falls be? What is the rate of erosion at Niagara Falls currently? So, because this is
1: in Canada, I'm going to use the metric system.
0: Well, I didn't want I to figure out my answer, so don't.
1: <laughs> oh, well, all well. right, since I'm not in Canada, I'm going to use the Imperial system. There you go. Uh, approximately,
0: this is me just guessing, let's say
1: two feet.
0: It is currently eroding at a rate of about one foot a year it used to be much more but approximately 50 to 60% of the water that should be going over the falls is actually diverted
1: diverted into a yeah, dam into
0: into the power stations yeah power station yeah so the erosion is a lot less but because your friend bill is a math geek and because he works as a machinist and so did you at one point in your life a long time ago mm-hmm. you would be interested to know that the rate of erosion may be 1 foot a year but that translates to approximately one to one and a half thousandths of an inch every hour. Oh, wow. Yep.
1: That is very interesting. I yep. would like to argue that, you know, because the power station did not come up in this discussion that I should get a point for saying two feet because that's what it would be if the power station wasn't
0: siphoning off all the water, Bill. No. F- yourself. I said, what is the current <laughs> state of erosion? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no semantics for you.
1: No semantics for me.
0: All right, but that's gonna wrap up the show for this week. We'll see you back here in seven days. Say good night, Jeff. Good night, Jeff. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Twibly. Or this week was way better last year. Special thanks to James Coster for our theme music. You can find us and message us on Instagram and Facebook using T W W B L Y. Make sure you spread the word and tell all your friends about the Twibley podcast. Dan Quayle never listened to Twibley, and look what happened to him.